This is Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff. Hola, hola. Soy Carla. It's Rachel here. What's good, y'all? I'm Ashraf. And I'm Madeline. Why Change is a podcast that brings listeners around the globe to learn how artists, educators, and cultural practitioners can change the world one community at a time. We believe that young people are our world's greatest asset and recognize that we, as the adults who are dedicated to their creative development, have work to do so they can thrive. Listeners are invited each week to learn and laugh while envisioning new creative futures through the question, why change? All right, let's get started. Welcome to this episode of the Why Change podcast. Jeff here with a little bit of a different format today. I am here with three of my colleagues from Creative Generation. We've got Andre Solomon, Val HD Killebrew, and Vida Manalang, who are going to be joining me to talk a little bit about an event that we were at last week in Chicago, Illinois. We attended the Boys and Girls Clubs of America National Conference. It was the 116th National Conference of this organization that was celebrating the leaders, professionals, and practitioners of Boys and Girls Clubs, which are community-based youth development programs throughout the United States. We wanted to share some of our insights as we worked with artists and educators, teaching artists and program leaders, captured stories about the impact of arts programs in youth development, and even got to celebrate some pretty famous artists that were there to support young people throughout the United States. All right, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. First, Val, I'd love for you to give us a little bit of background on Boys and Girls Clubs of America. For those who don't know, Val joined our team about a year ago and has a lot of experience working with Boys and Girls Clubs as a former employee of the national office, and as a youth development professional herself. So Val, tell us a little bit more about this event. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, I'm so excited to be talking about this event. This is, uh, it was a long time coming. So of course, because of COVID, we, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of America had not convened a national conference in person for the last two years. So, um, and if you're part of the movement, they call, they call you know, it's a movement. So uh, if you're part of the movement, they consider the national conference a big family reunion, right? So um, there are hundreds of Boys and Girls Club organizations, individual 501c3s, across the country and on military bases overseas as well. So you have all of these professionals um, coming together to learn and to uh, collaborate, to share stories. And so it's been two years before, you know, since they all got together, since we all got together. And I've been, uh, I was with national, uh, I was with the Boys and Girls Clubs of America for nine years. And so every year, this is my eighth conference and every year um, it, it becomes more inspiring. They always bring together really incredible alumni. Um, an example is Denzel Washington. So Mr. Washington has been Boys and Girls Clubs of America's spokesperson for 30 years now. This was actually his 30th year. So he joined us in Chicago uh, we had Shaka Khan uh, come and perform with us. Um, just really a fantastic celebration. It's three days of learning, laughing, dancing, and celebrating together. And so uh, the conference is made up of these big, of course, you know, general session keynote sessions where they bring in folks like um, Magic Johnson was there. Uh, 
and there are some other fantastic speakers um, that just share a little bit of inspiration and kind of talk talk about leadership. That was a theme of the conference this year, and and think about what are some of those themes that can be, you know, that are happening nationally that can boil down to these local organizational community levels. Uh, so those are big conversations that happen in these general sessions. And then we bring together uh, amazing practitioners that are doing really interesting work in the field um, to have smaller sessions. And I say smaller, but there's really, a, you know, 200 people or so in these smaller breakout sessions. So it's really, um, it's, a, it's a long and very full week. And my favorite role of this conference is I get to work with young artists. So every year, you know, we have millions of young people that go into a Boys and Girls Club every day as their safe haven, as their place that they get to be themselves, they get to create, they get to express themselves, and they get to have a, a safe, loving environment with caring adults. So we brought together 18 young people to this conference from all over the country. And they, there were dancers, there were singers, there were uh, visual artists. I mean, we had we had the across the board we had a bagpipe player this year so we had a nice cohort of young people representing the millions that are served by boys and girls clubs of america and they got to perform all week and so what i do on the back end is support these young people help them go through rehearsal and then also position them to meet some other professionals tell their club story talk at some of these smaller luncheons or receptions or sessions where they can really share, you know, this is what the arts did for me. This is who I am because of the arts and get to express a little bit of their talent. So I always feel like I have the best job at these conferences. And this year we had a, a nice, a nice experience of bringing these young people around to meet other uh, staff who are artists and to, of course, collaborate with each other. Our, uh, the week culminates for these young people in having a collaboration performance uh, on Friday uh, evening. So every young person meets another young person from around the country and they get to have uh, an experience with them. So that's a little bit about the week. It really is. It was very full of, of laughter and, and collaboration. It was. It was so full. We were so busy, but it was really great to be able to see all of this and have conversations with the folks who are working with young creatives in their clubs all across the country and really all around the world. I mean, just next to where we were stationed for most of the weekend was a visual art exhibition that had photography from, you know, neighborhoods and communities all across the United States, but also from the experiences of young people all around the world as they live on military uh, bases and um, get to experience those cultures abroad. It was it was really fantastic and really inspiring. But one of the things that I want to highlight, particularly with our work with Boys and Girls Clubs of America over the last you know ten or twelve months or so, is the training and professional development that we were able to provide in a co-creative environment with Boys and Girls Clubs and with long-term artistic practitioners within the the movement. Val, as you said, so. Vita, I want to turn it over to you, actually, first, to talk a little bit about the online portion of the conference. You stepped away from the in-person convening and presented a session online. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was about and how that session went with practitioners in their home communities all across the country? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, the virtual conference was massive it was packed as well i could see like the numbers in in the, uh, the little zoom spaces for the for the webinars and there were a lot of people in attendance a lot of people live and a lot of people um zooming in 
to this conference, even from far away, uh, which was really astounding on my end. Uh, the session that I co-led with Jordan was largely about the modules that we had created in terms of professional development um, and the arts, what the arts can do in arts in collaboration with social justice, arts and a culture of high expectations, um, and really giving people a taste of what those trainings looked like, um, those four trainings I believe looked like, um, and bringing them to life mostly. Uh, not just explaining what they are, but also exploring what they look like and what they look like on a virtual setting as well was really informative for us. Uh, we started with a beautiful mindfulness experience to promote sort of the arts for wellness and interact with that. And we went into what these modules will look like in the Spillet University website setting. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and started just the conversation. There was not enough time. It, we had 40 minutes. Um, we had a 40 minute session um, and a 10 minute Q&A. And there was simply not enough time to go into all of um, the really beautiful work that everybody was doing. But they were so open to sharing, so open to starting conversations um, regarding identity and, and these, these aspects of the self that are very vulnerable and very um, lots to mine there um but yeah that's what we got to do <laughs> over in the in the virtual conference yeah and that seemed to be a theme both virtually and in person right you know we uh andre and i also led a session uh, in person we did it actually two times um that the generosity and sharing of successful practices and programs and ideas and initiatives that are maybe even half formed at this point as we respond to the ever-changing needs of, of young people and families was just abounding, right? Like I was blown away um, uh, with just the, the energy. You know, I feel like Andre, you said something like, okay, great, we're gonna have two minutes to discuss this idea. What does it mean to you? And the volume level went from zero to a hundred and just people wanting to share their experiences, wanting to learn from others, wanting to collaborate and co-create and cross-pollinate what's happening in these youth development programs with the arts all across this giant organization. So Andre, I'm, I'm curious now a few days later, what are your reflections on those discussions that we had in person with some, you know, two or 300 people at the Boys and Girls Clubs of America National Conference? Yeah, so I mean, I first feel really honored to be able to participate in these conversations, um, just kind of uh, not working as heavily as the rest of you on this project and kind of getting this opportunity to kind of dive in um, was something I cherish, not only because um, this affects the youth, but at the same time, this, this model could change the whole way they integrate arts into their system. So I really did appreciate that we kind of put some prior knowledge of who we are, because I do think trust is at the, for, at the forefront of what we do here, because we could say that we know what we're doing, but they have to trust that we know what we're doing. Um, so while we were doing it, I think a lot of people were very interested in just kind of the methodology, but then in terms of kind of the nine values that we went over about you know, what are the major components of creating a good arts program within the clubs that a lot of people, uh, we have the spectrum between, you know, just getting started somewhere in, uh, in the middle and then, you know, really successful programs. And so in hearing those examples, 
I think people were really blown away by the ones that were very successful, but then also at the same time internalizing that they might not be at that point yet. And so I don't necessarily think that discouraged people since they had the opportunity to interact with one another. But at the same time, I think it's always good to get those little reminders of that we can always do better. And so I think it's like Val said, it's been two years since this has happened before. So again, having the opportunity to just talk and collaborate with people in person just allowed for something that could be taken as a negative to be a positive space for brainstorming and cultivation of what the future could be in those spaces. Um, I felt the good energy um, and the curiosity and wanting to do better, not just for themselves or for, um, for the clubs, but really for the youth at the heart of it. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that assessment. You know, and the work that we've done, whether it was in the professional development trainings that Vita was mentioning, or the um, tool that Andre was just talking about with these nine indicators for different uh, successful, strong strategies and programs, it builds on this really long and rich history in the creative youth development space. So actually, whether it be the intersection of arts and social justice, or arts and personal and community wellness, or arts and a culture of high expectations, or arts and youth voice, or whether it be these nine different um, areas in which clubs can strive to improve their programming, it builds from a community of practice around the nation that actually started to culminate around 2012, 2013 by the name of Creative Youth Development. And there was a pivotal report from the Wallace Foundation called Something to Say that identified 10 success principles. And I know we've mentioned this in other podcast episodes, but it builds this foundation from which club practitioners all around the nation have been able to hone and refine and provide those examples to inspire others, be it, you know, what happens when you get a $10,000 grant to build a professional recording studio, or be it how you can make a closet door a space for gathering and a welcoming environment for the arts students within your club. So Val, I want to turn it over to you because we actually met at the 2013 Creative Youth Development National Summit in Massachusetts and became friends um, at that point and now, you know, work together almost a decade later, which still blows my mind. But tell me a little bit about how that uh, movement building around arts-based youth development programs has impacted not only Boys and Girls Clubs, but just the work of youth development practitioners around the country. Yeah, it's been such a beautiful journey, right? I mean, so my trajectory was I, you know, was finishing my graduate program at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, their arts and education program. And I had read Steve Seidel's quality of quality report produced by the Wallace Foundation, of course, uh, another pivotal report from Wallace, and um, was just starting to hear these like, you know, these, these rufflings, these rumors about something to say that was just coming out in 2012. And so when I joined Boys and Girls Clubs of America, it was to explore a question. It was to explore what would it take? So something to say had just been released. So the question that Wallace was proposing to Boys and Girls Clubs of America, a national non, the national serving youth development organization was, now these, these 
principles are from arts organizations, from nationally notable arts organizations. Now, what does it take? How does it look? How do they how do they get tweaked uh, when you're in a non-art specific youth development organization like a Boys and Girls Club? So we've had a 10-year partnership to explore that question, to look at what does it take? How do they flex? How do those, you know, how do you turn the levels, the levers and the dials to make it work to make it sustainable for individual independent clubs and communities that art that arts is not their bread and butter but arts is something that is core to what happens at a boys and girls club core to what a young person should experience in an after school time in a just in a positive youth development space so i think what's very curious and i think this has been a theme since that cyd kickoff in 2013 is looking at more of these art specific principles, you know, things like having a professional practicing teaching artist leading uh, a, a instructing a class to then on the other side, having really fundamental youth development principles about having a welcoming, safe, physical and emotional space for young people, holding young people to high expectations, those types of things. So when we rolled out those principles, and I think now even over the 10 year arc, and I, I know when you all have been interviewing clubs, there are some of those principles, some of those, you know, those practices that are so core to positive youth development holding, you know, building those positive relationships, having young people mentor each other and giving them meaningful leader uh, opportunities to lead. There are, uh, th th those feel very comfortable. And so I think a lot of it was about opening the eyes of these youth development professionals to have them see their entry point as artists, as creators, as as though as ones that can inspire and create the space for a young person to be an artist and and even just like little things like you you can call those people artists call them dancers you're leading a dance class call them dancers you don't have to call them kids you don't have to call them teens call them dancers they're in a dance space but there are little things you don't have to have a 10-year dance degree to be able to call your young people in a dance class dancers i mean there are little fundamental switches that we um, had to illustrate to staff to help provide more entry points into this space, more entry points for adults to step in to say, I can create creative spaces for young people. I can make that space. So I think that it's it's in the, in this blossoming of the field of creative youth development, I think a lot of it has been helping bring adults along this journey so they can open their eyes to the different dimensions um, of, of how they can make artistic spaces in not always artistic places. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. And I wanna just underscore one thing you said, you sort of use the analogy of, of dials and how you can control um, the different levels. And, and that's actually one of the big things that we found from this year long research initiative, as we talked to practitioners and, and clubs that had been working on arts-based projects or programs or initiatives for varying levels of engagement. Some of them were truly just getting started. Some of them had been really well-funded for like eight years. And what we found was the way they actually described this was first with an assumption that every community is different. When you've seen one community, you've seen only one community. And that the adults in this space, those youth-facing practitioners, need 
the different tools to control what some described as these three levers or these three dials. One about arts and cultural and creative pedagogies, right? Those specific initiatives, programs, ways of teaching and learning that are based in um, art forms, dance, media, music, theater, visual arts, literary arts, and more. Then a second one about the youth development environments. So a, a, an entire environment that centers on the development of young people in a positive youth development framework. And then a third that has to do with the focus on equity and justice. So how we can actually embed the recentering of those most affected in everything that we do. And for every club, for every neighborhood or community, for every cohort of young people, the level at which each of those dials are turned is a little different. Um, and so it's interesting because what we found is that these, what were once called success principles, um, now we sort of refer to them as, as just different areas of strong practice, they provide us with uh, some latitude in how we actually respond to meet these ever-changing needs of young people. And it was really interesting because in our session with Andre and I, we framed the entire conversation about how we as the adults actually respond to the needs of young people in the wake of the last two years and the multitude of pandemics, be it the COVID-19 health, uh, COVID health crisis, um, the kind of racial reckoning that was happening in the United States, the widening economic gap or others. And people really responded to that and discussed what they were doing and the impact it had, which sort of leads me to the, the third and final thing that we did on the ground. And I'd love to go back to you, Vita, to learn a little bit about the conversations that you had with practitioners, because we asked the question, you know, what impact has the arts had in your experience? And we collected some really cool stories that I hope will make their way on the podcast one day. But Vita, what did you hear in these dialogues with adult practitioners and young artists? Wow, that experience was so inspiring in terms of the generosity that people had, the joy um, that was brought into the space when they were talking about memories they had, the things that they have to offer. Um, there was just so much happiness and joy sort of radiating from all the stories being told and such a, um, a generosity about what was being shared with us. Um, even for such a short a period of time, I think we only had like five, two, five minutes with people and they were just abounding with what they were able to share with us. Um, and people were discovering as they were sharing actually what is going on um, in our arts programs, what is, what is actually being brought to the table. Um, there were a bunch of different sort of patterns and themes that were showing up um, across the board. I think across the 20 something individuals we had the opportunity to share space with. Um, and most of it was regarding what the goal of their arts program was. And there were multiple goals. Um, and they also were moving on dials um, and on, on um, in terms of urgency, in terms of, of what their resources allowed them to do and in terms of what their um, the individual goals of the youth that they were working with were. Um, this ranged from like emotional expressivity, being able to have that outlet, being able to express themselves, finding that space that isn't basketball or the sports aspect um, to, to express yourself and feel at home. And another aspect was just general skill building. Um, building skills in terms of like high expectations. How do I show up for myself? How do I act professionally in a space? How do I show up in a rehearsal room? These are all just skills that 
youth are able to take in multiple spaces. And a third sort of space was um, arts as a career and being able to scaffold and support youth who might want to move forward in the arts as, as their calling, have it be something that is visible as, some, as something that is uh, pursuable that they don't have to, to do something that doesn't excite them for the rest of their lives, which is a really beautiful um, message to be able to bring. But those were some of the major spaces that people were sharing sort of the, um, the reason why their arts programs exist. There was a variety of, of robustness of program, of, of, of how connected and, and, and the partnerships that were, um, that people were, were mentioning in terms of, of who they were working with, if it was a dance company, if it was a theater company, if it was a college, um, and some that were also just starting out in terms of like that spectrum that we were speaking about, um, but still able to find such deep meaning in the things that they were able to do um, and, the, and in the memories that they were able to, to recall. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's just a taste into what was being shared with us. Um, and there was such a variety, especially those who were, um, depending on demographic and depending on geographical location, if they were representing the military bases or if they were representing a boys and girls club that was on a reservation versus a boys and girls club that um, is in Florida or, or in, in New York City, like just such a, a breadth of, of, of experiences. And yet there was so much um, of this similar overlap in terms of joy and what they're able to agree on, which I think is very powerful in terms of what the arts brings to a space like the Boys and Girls Club. Definitely. And, you know, Andre, you also did some of these interviews and also had conversations with practitioners on this um, exhibit hall floor uh, with me and, and in the session. But you've also been present at a couple of other in-person conferences with music educators, some online conferences with uh, pre-professional schools of the arts um, and, and others. So I wonder sort of what your thoughts are about the future direction of, of this field of practice, of the embedding of the arts as a pathway to achieve a justice orientation in our clubs, um, the development of young people as future leaders, both in the arts and outside of the arts. I'm curious sort of what your thoughts are as you look at the, the national or even international landscape of discourses that are happening with these youth-facing arts-rich practices. Yeah, so I know Val and Vita both kind of mentioned this, but at least in talking with the people, and I had the opportunity and honor to talk with some of the young people too, that a lot of people don't really see themselves as the artist, the dancer, the actor. Um, we actually had some interviews yesterday and one really quote, it's very simple, but um, the person had mentioned that creativity isn't always the, in a comfortable space. And so just thinking about that where there were participants in the conference being like, ah, oh, no, I don't wanna talk about this because we don't do anything artistic, but then they'll talk about how they did like some big, not big program, but a program. And so I think it's, in kind of helping motivate not just the youth, but the people who are involved in their lives to think that arts is more than what the stereotypical image of what arts is can help people motivate themselves to believe in themselves. And even talking with the youth, 
a lot of them were like the biggest takeaway that I got from that was that it has changed their lives. Um, again, I can't make any assumptions on who they are or what their backgrounds are, but something and the people that they were involved with and the places they were in within the clubs has made them better people. And I had joked with one of the um, participants that uh, Wicked song for good um, and just talking about how if these people didn't have these experiences, you know, they wouldn't be changed. They wouldn't be um, in a better place, hopefully. And so, um, and thinking about the larger context, um, I do think that we need more people to redefine and deconstruct what the arts means and the values on themselves. And as again, as Val had mentioned, like to, you don't have to have a degree to be a dancer. And I think at Creative Generation, we are exploring the multiple experiences that can uh, define an artist. And so just thinking about that, like if the people who mentored and educated the youth believed in themselves as artists, whether they had the degrees or the credentials, then they too, the youth would also believe that they could be artists going forward. And so if we're thinking about the social justice lens, I think we need more advocates to deconstruct what the arts is, because unfortunately it is very narrow. And if we are trying to cultivate the next generation of leaders and artists and arts administrators and all the arts involved, there needs to be a wider, uh, a wider perspective of not only what the arts is, but how all the avenues you can be involved in the arts. So I think I answered your question, but kind of lofty at the same time. <laughs> no, I think it's a wonderful call to action to, to come to a close on. Um, so I want to thank you all so much for being here. Um, as we close out uh, with the YTH podcast, we always have a series of questions um, with three people. That is a lot. And Andre, you've actually answered them before in a different uh, episode. So just a quick round from our experiences talking to these youth professionals working in positive youth development settings focused on the integration of the arts um, with young people. What are the changes that we should see? Maybe one sentence from every person to leave us on a, a pondering note. Val, can I start with you? Yeah, so change is taking place at all moments. Change is inevitable, right? So I think allowing young people to speak in the languages that are inside them and we just need to get out of the way. And art is a language. Yeah. Thanks, Vita. I am a massive advocate for listening. <laughs> and the arts is a space where we are able to listen. Um, and I think the biggest thing that we can do is, is start that conversation and learn from, from the youth themselves what they need from these artistic spaces um, so that we can better provide those resources for them and, and continue that conversation and, and make it a dialogue. Yeah. And Andre. I'm just gonna piggyback, but kind of combining get out of the way and listen. Um, if we took the time to really think youth are 
on our same level, they also can teach us how to be human through their art. Well, thank you all so much for being here. I would like to extend our gratitude from all of us at Creative Generation to the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, all of their partners, particularly our collaborators at the Wallace Foundation and in all of the 34 clubs that we engaged with over the course of our time working on the this project and for all of the people who spent time with us at the Boys and Girls Clubs of America National Conference last week in Chicago, Illinois. It's been a wonderful journey and we really hope for the future of the arts within the positive youth development field. And I know we're working really hard to progress that. So thank you all very much for tuning into this episode of the Why Change podcast, and we'll catch you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. If you would like to support this podcast aimed at amplifying the voices of creative change makers around the world, please consider donating through the link located in the episode's show notes. These show notes contain all sources discussed in the episode. Be sure to follow, like, subscribe, and share the Why Change podcast to make sure you and your networks get episodes delivered directly to you and that you don't miss any stories of creative work happening around the world. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Also, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at info at creative-generation.org. We would love to hear your ideas, the topics you want to learn about, and why change matters to you. This episode was produced by me, Jeff M. Poulin. Artwork by Bridget Woodbury. Our digital media producer is Daniel Stanley. This podcast theme music is by Distant Cousins. A special thanks to our contributors, co-hosts, and the team at Creative Generation for their support. Whether you're a CT, TA, ED, AP, SS, on the tilt team, or the build team, or taking a break in the roar room. If your kid has an IEP, 504 plan, SBBHSP, or CYBHWG, or if you use a CELPQA or the CCTHCR212 to assess. If you work with the M6, the DOE, DCYF, OSPI, NEA, AEP, NAEP, or looking at GOSOSY stats, this podcast is for you. It doesn't have to be this hard. Join us for Disrupt, not an acronym, to break down overly complicated and highfalutin concepts and connect them to the classroom, boardroom, and office. We are James and Alea, two TAED former CT SAG-AFTRA AEA members and confused AF artists, of course, educator leaders with a goal to normalize humanity.